Hi everyone, welcome back to another week of Ramban Al HaParsha. Um, mishpatim is always a challenge for us. Um, an insightful person once told me that Mishpatim is where Shnai Mikra goes to die um, because of the lack of narrative. Um, I do want to come to Ramban at the end today to discuss the narrative and to put everything together because I think the Ramban does a, an incredible job of doing that. But first is the Parsha. And I want to pick a few examples from the Parsha of the Ramban's insights and understandings. So the Parsha begins with... Um, with the idea of Eved Ivri, and he has to work six years, etc., etc., right? And then the end, I don't want to go out. Okay, he gets his ear pierced, and he stays till Yovel. A lot to discuss in the Parsha, but I think the most obvious issue is what's Ha'elohim, or more precisely, Ha'elohim. And here the Ramban has a very strong view that comes, at, comes across in a few places in the Parsha. Maybe we'll look at that, maybe we'll just, you'll take my word for it. The Ramban starts as follows. Okay, if you want to sell a person, you have to go, if, if you want to keep a person, meaning Bezdin sold him for X number of years. Now he's supposed to go free and he wants to stay with his master. So the Ramban says, okay, obviously you go to Bezdin to get his ear pierced because they're the people who sold him. Right? Why are judges called Elohim? What does that have to do with God? That's, that's the name of God. So it says, Because the judges act as like agents for God. Okay, so, so the Torah kind of uses the same word for God to make the point that the judges are acting as God's agents. Now, the Ramban doesn't think, and it's maybe a little bit of a theme today, the Ramban doesn't think that Ibn Ezra is wrong, as he usually does. But he has a better idea. And he says, Or, Another reference to judges. Or, Lirmoz, it's not just that they're agents for God. God is with them in, uh, in the judgment. Says the Ramban, it looks like the judges are making the decision, but it's not true. It's God. Right, I'm sorry, Asher Yashun Elohim. Because it's the judges, but it's not really the judges. It's really God. Right, all judgments are God's. It's God judging. Bikarev Adat Elohim Yishpot. Ki ha Elohim Hu Hashofate. Again, the difference being everybody's on board with the idea that the judges represent God. But the Ramban thinks, no, 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 it's not a metaphor. God is with them, and the judgment, 
that judges who have smicha from Moshe Rabbeinu at Har Sinai, it's God's judgment. Right, that's a pasuk at the end of this week's parsha. The Ramban says, See if I can find it very quickly. There the Torah says, Midvar Sheker Tirchak, Vinaki Vitzadik Al Taharog, Kilo Atstik Rasha. I think the Ramban would say Pshat in that Pasuk is, again, it's not a metaphor. Kilo Atstik Rasha, God is saying, if I let a person go free, it's my decision. It looks like it's the judges, but it's really my decision. And therefore, it makes sense to call the judges Elohim because they're acting not as my agents, they're acting through me, or I'm acting through them, better yet. Okay, and then just finishes Ramban says it's basically a medrash. The medrash says God is doing it. God is doing it through the shoftim and therefore we should recognize that when we go to Bezdin and we have a shofet, right, the, the point of the shofet is that he, he is God. God is acting through him. You could see this in a number of places in the parsha. You know, in the, in the first Ramban of the Torah, Ve'elah mishpatim asher tasim lifnehem, so the Ramban makes the point that Ad uh, Elohim yavod v'katuv v'natan shehem hamumchim hasmuchim ad Moshe Rabbeinu. It's possible nowadays that we don't have real smicha from Moshe Rabbeinu that God doesn't act through the judges. I don't know, but here the Raman makes the point. No, no. He has smicha from Moshe Rabbeinu. You can't have Gentiles and you can't have people who don't have smicha. Okay, Lemaisa, nowadays, nobody has smicha, so maybe we've lost this idea. But Ha'elokim, says the Ramban, it is God himself, it is not representatives of God, and that's why the Pasuk says, Ad Ha'elokim Yavod Vashnehem, or Vihigisha Adonav El Ha'elokim. Okay, that's one halacha that comes up in Mishpatim. Another one which looks like it's just the regular halacha, but it's really a much bigger, a much bigger deal in Judaism. And that's the Pasuk of Ayin Tachas Ayin. First, let's read, and then we'll see what we'll do with it. So the Torah says, right? if, if she dies, two people are fighting, and they hit a pregnant woman, if she dies, somebody's going to pay with their life. And then Ayin Tachat Ayin, Shein Tachat Shein, Yad Tachat Yad, Regal Tachat Regal, etc., etc., going forward. What does the Pasuk mean? This, I think, is the most obvious example that people bring when they want to talk about, I don't know, you know, what Chazal do to Psukim, that the Pasuk says X, but Chazal change it to mean Y. I think that's not true. I think the Ramban says it's not true, but let's see how he handles it. So first of all, let's admit the following. Ayin tachad ayin literally means an eye for an eye, which, of course, is not the halacha. So the Ramban says, Ayin tachas ayin, Hayadua bekabalat rabotenu shehu mamon. 
Right? We all know that Kabbalah is, Ayin Tachasayin means, you pay for the eye. You don't poke a person, if I poke your eye out, you don't poke out my eye. There's, no, there's nothing to be gained in that. And the Raman says, but this is how the Torah talks in the context of payments, in the context of Tashlumin. So on some level, the Ramban is arguing, on some level, that no, Pshuto Shel Mikra is Mamon. Right? The Pasuk is clear. You're paying. What are you paying? Nefesh Tachas Nefesh. But the, the Lashon of Tachas works with Yishalmena. Okay, the Ramban is quoting the Gemara, thinks that maybe on some level the Pasuk should be understood literally. But there are so many other Pasukin that make it clear that the Torah doesn't mean an eye for an eye, that the Torah means you know, the value of an eye for the value of an eye. And this is an example, right? works with tachas. Now, a, a complete agreement with the Ibn Ezra, which is rare for the Ramban. Rabbi Avraham, ki kavanat hakatuv lomar shehu chayav bekach im lo yitain kofro. Says Rabbi Avraham, on some level, the pasuk is saying yes. Ayin tachas ayin means literally, but you can pay your way out of it. Va'akatuv asaro leinu shaloni nikach kofer lenefesh rotzeh ashehu rashalamut. Right, the pasuk is clear. Right, v'lo tikhu kofer lenefesh rotzeh ashehu rashalamut. Somebody who's chayiv misa or somebody who's chayiv galus for killing by accident cannot buy his way out of it. Okay, certainly, if he's a murderer, he can't buy his way out of it. It would be offensive. But the Ramban, quoting the Gemara in Baba Kama there, makes it clear that he thinks you can't buy your way out of a Misa. But you can accept payment for somebody who's chayev less than nefesh tachas nefesh, an arm for an arm, an eye for an eye. So on some level, the Ibn Ezra, quoting, you know, being quoted by the Ramban, is saying, technically speaking, there's some truth to that, that ayin tachas ayin is understood literally. However, you can get out of it. You can get out of it by paying. V'lachain lo nichrot oto le'olam, aval yishalem kemei dom yo, or damav. V'im ein lo, yiyeh hachov ad shetasig yado v'nigal. So let's say, God forbid, I poked someone's eye out. So Bezdin says to me, well, do you want your eye poked out or do you want to pay? Right? The five things. Nezek, Sheves, Boshes, Ripui. I forgot the fifth. Okay? That's the Mishnah in, in, the, in the pays in Baba Kama. Right? That the person who damages pays the five things that a person has to pay. So you're going to ask the person, do you want to? And of course the person is going to want to pay. No one wants to get their eye poked out. Now, what if he doesn't have the money? So it's a bit of a, a charade. Okay, so he'll pay it later. He'll carry the debt with him. But exactly what we say you can't do in a case of a capital crime, you do do, the Torah wants you to do, with respect to you know, cutting off a limb, 
poking at an eye, knocking at a tooth, etc. Now the Ramban has another, another proof. The, the Torah says, Wait, what's going on? But if you're doing it to somebody whose eye was poked out, Right? What does it mean you're going to pay? The guy got his eye poked at. The person who did it got his eye poked at. Why would he pay anything? That, that's justice. So the answer is, and this I think is a point you see in many, many places, and it really is a pshat, which is, literally, it means, ayin tachas ayin. But halacha lamaisa, it doesn't mean ayin tachas ayin. Right? So why does it say that? So first of all, the Rambam in Hilchas Chovel in the first parak says, Ela shehu ra'ui lechasro ever o lachbo bo kemoshe asa. Now, of course, the Rambam doesn't paskin that way, but the Rambam makes the point. A person who pokes out somebody else's eye deserves to get his own eye poked out. It's not somebody damaged a car, somebody broke a window. Okay, there you have to pay. And you're finished. The Ramana says, no, it's not. It's not a, if the person is in Mochel, you, you're going to carry the Aver with you no matter how much you paid. You shouldn't confuse the ability to pay as your punishment with the ability to pay as your Kapara. You need Kapara for this, whereas you don't need it for a car accident. You don't need it for breaking your, your neighbor's window. Now, just because I can't resist, okay, so why does the Pasuk say it? So first of all, let's be clear. According to the Rambam, Moshe Rabbeinu heard HaKadosh Baruch Hu say, Ayin tachas ayin, and he said, oh, I understand HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, no. Ayin tachas ayin means money. And when Moshe Rabbeinu came down from Arsinai, he told Bnei Yisrael, Ayin tachas ayin means money, and there hasn't been anybody who disagreed with that since the beginning of time. Ay, Rabbi Leza Shita and the Gemara seems to imply otherwise. Okay, we'll leave that as a question. But the bottom line, says the Rambam, says the Sforno, Sforno says the, Vil, the Vilnagon, that on some level, in an olam of midas hadin, that would have been the halacha. Ayin tachasayin. You poked at my eye, I poke at your eye. But that didn't work. HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world of midas hadin. It didn't work. And then he created the world of midas harachamim. And it didn't work. And he had to be mishatev the two. But the Torah is making clear that on some level, in a world of midas hadin, ayin tachasayin is the right result. Practically speaking, we can't do it. Practically speaking, there's a million reasons we can't do it, including this Farno's idea that it's impossible to poke at somebody's eye without risking his death, without risking infection. It's impossible to cut off somebody's arm, to, to knock at somebody's tooth. So we just, you know, practically speaking, it doesn't work. But whatever the, I, I don't think you really need that. I think you need, in the theoretical world, that's the punishment. In a practical world, that's not the punishment. And that's the difference between a capital crime and something less than that. Okay, I think that's a pshat. I think that's interesting. One more specific Ramban before we get to the, the flow of the parshios. The Torah says as follows. You have to be careful of gerim. Right? You have to be careful of converts. Ki gerim mitzrayim. Because you yourselves were converts in Eretz Mitzrayim. And the Ramban is not exactly sure why, should that, why that should be. 
He says, Lo kol right? Just because we were strangers, just because we were foreigners in the land of Egypt, that means that every ger is, is a wonderful person and deserving of, you know, of our honor and deserving of our best behavior. It doesn't make sense that every ger gets treated well because we were once ger. It's true, but the Ramban would say, okay, if you're a good ger, you have to be treated well. If you're, if you're a Russia, you don't have to be treated well. Like, why should it be that gerim are a protected class? I think that's what we'd say nowadays, are a protected class forever because we were gerim in Eretz Mitzrayim. Why would that be? Why should that be? So says the Ramban, Upirish Rashi, Kihutam lelo tonu oto yazhir shelo tone oto bahana atvarim imhonito afhu yachol lahonatcha v'lomalcha afata migerim bata mum shebecha al tomalcha vercha. Right? Rashi says the obvious thing. Well, if you're going to be mean to a ger, he's going to point out to you. Well, you were gerim be'eres mitzrayim. Right? Don't say something bad about me when the same thing applies to you. Okay, you know, is it the most compelling argument ever? The Ramban doesn't think so. Says the Ramban, And this is a significant point in the Ramban, and I think it reveals not just his sympathy, well, his instinct to protect the lower class. Says the Ramban, Ki lo toneger v'lo Right? You might think, I'll be mean to the ger. Who's going to protect him? But you know, it's not just that you were gerim be'eres Yitzrayim. I protected you. I came to help you, says the Ramban. There's a big difference. Va'asiti bahem nekama ki ani dim'at ha'ashukim. HaKadosh says, I protected you and I saved you and I took revenge for you because I see the tears of the downtrodden. I see the tears of the persecuted. They have no protector. Says the Ramban in the Kila HaKadosh Baruch saying it, right? I protect the lower class. I have an in, my, my sin, that, that's what I do. Says the Ramban, it's not just that they're the lowest class, that they have no protectors. Says the Ramban, what do you remember from Mitzrayim? When you had no one else to cry out to, you cried out to me. And I answered you. Right? There's something about Geirim that makes HaKadosh Baruch Hu want to respond to them. If you're a Geir, you have no one else to cry out to. You're going to cry out to God. Every Geir feels like he's being, you know, pushed down. Ve'enav tamid el Hashem. Right? His eyes are always looking to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Right? 
What does it mean, remember that you were getting bad at the time? It's not just that you had it bad. It's that you had it bad, and therefore you cried out to God, and therefore He responded. And just like He responded to you, He's going to respond to, the, to current Gerim. And therefore, you have to be really, really careful. Right? In Mitzrayim, we didn't even call out to God. The sense you get, and the Rav said this, Mepharshim say this, you know, we cried out like an animal cry. But God heard it. And says the Raman, God will always hear the cries of the Geirim because they have no one else to protect them. And so therefore you have to be especially good to Geirim because they need people to protect them. Happens to me, I'm going to the wedding of Geirim tonight. I'm very excited about it. This is a significant point in the Ramban and in, in all of our lives to be good to Geirim. Unfortunately, it's something that I think the Rabbanot and Batei Dinim in Israel maybe are not as good as they could have been, but such is that. Okay, end of the Parsha. Something really, really interesting goes on at the end of the Parsha, and it's important to sort of get our sense for the flow of the Parshiot. Because again, what do we remember? We remember that Yisro was the Aser Hadibrot, and then there was like a little piece at the end, and then it's Mishpatim. Then all of a sudden you come to Perek Chavdalet. And then there's the, the Brit, right? There's the spilling of the blood. There's the telling of the story. What's all this doing here? But it's even stranger, because that's the beginning of Perak Chavdalit. But then in Pasuk Yud Beda Perak Chavdal, it says, Vayomar Hashem al Moshe, Alei Eli Hahara, Vehayesham, Vehetanelachat Luchot, Haven Vatarav, Amiswa Shakatafi Lahotam. What's the second parsha doing there? Right? When did the second parsha happen? There's two different debrot, there's two different things going on. What is going on? And so the Ramban is going to explain everything to us brilliantly, and he's going to make the flow of the parsha, which is critical that we remember. Right? Again, Mishpatim, it's not just some black hole of halachos. It's the transition from Aseris Hadibros, from Yisro to the Mishkan. Okay, that'll be next week. Says the Ramban, Vel Moshe Amar. So first he quotes Rashi. Parshazo kodem Aseret Hadibrot ba'ar ba'abesivon namralo. Says Rashi, coming back to the big machlokas of Yesh Mukdam or Ein Mukdam Mulchabra Torah. No, this happened beforehand. That's Rashi's pshat. Okay, there's a lot of questions to ask on that. In fact, like, why would the Torah change the order? But the Ramban disagrees. And first, he's going to agree, again, shockingly and historically, with the Ibn Ezra. Ukvar heitivli wrote Rabbi Avraham, kisidro. Right? The Ramban thinks like the Ibn Ezra. No, the Torah's written in order. Vamar, ki adheino sefer abrit. Till now was a sefer abrit. Vrinea parshiot kulam baot kahogan. They're all in order. Right? The continuation of Maimon Harsina is immediately afterwards. Right? 
ואלה המשפטים אשר תשים לפניהם. וכל המצוות הבאות אחרי כן, והשלים בעזרת עבודת גילולים שימצאו בארץ בעובדיה ואומר לו. Okay, says the, the Ramban, quoting the Ibn Ezra, but he agrees, that no, the order is exactly that. HaKadosh Baruch Hu told Aseret HaDibrod to Am Yisrael. But he didn't stop then. That was to Am Yisrael. Then he told Moshe all the things that he told them. Make a Mizbeach Adama, and don't do Avodah Zarah, and the continuation. All that was on Vav Sivan, the day of Matan Torah. The Jews went back for a break, and Moshe stayed and got the rest of Yisro and all of Mishpatim until these Psukim. Says the Ramban, after HaKadosh Baruch Hu told Moshe the end of Yisro and all of Mishpatim, this is the narrative. Now we need a covenant. Now we need spilling of blood, half and half, the usual how covenants work in the Torah. We need Na'asev and Nishma. And that's exactly what happened. That's a continuation of the story. This is on Zion Sivan, the day after Matan Torah. So on Matan Torah, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave Moshe, let's say, Parshas Mishpatim. The next day, Moshe Rabbeinu, having written down everything the day before, tells it over to Klal Yisrael. They, v'kiblu akol b'simcha, v'amru kol Hashem na'aseh, we agree to everything. V'atam kol adivarim ha'eleh, What's he talking about? The Pesach there says, Right? We didn't have the strength to hear more from our Kodesh Baruch Hu. What the Ramban is hinting at here is that in the discussion about what they heard at Har Sinai, maybe our Kodesh Baruch Hu would have gone on. Right? Maybe he wouldn't have stopped at low Tachmod. He would have kept going. But Bnei Israel couldn't take it. So he said, Moshe Rabbeinu, you listen to the rest. So Moshe Rabbeinu listened to the rest. He listened to the end of Yisra. He listened to Mishpatim. And then he told it to us. And we were joyous. And we were happy. And we accepted, we accepted it. Va'az kitava Moshe. Moshe wrote it all down. V'hinei Moshe katav bayom ahu basefer. Kol mashin istaveh chukim mishpatim v'tarot. Moshe wrote it all down on Vav Sivan. V'hishkim baboker mimacharat hayom ahu. He gets up on Zion Sivan, for them to enter into a covenant on the Aser Sadibros and on Mishpatim. And he split the blood in half. Now you might ask me, what happened to that Sefer? Right, so this ties into the Machloket, was the Torah given Megilot, Megilot, or Chatuma? Right, according to Megilot, Megilot. So Moshe wrote down what he got. At the end of the Torah, he put it all together and he made a Torah. According to the other verse, it's, it's a little hard to understand what Moshe did. But he wrote it down, says the Ramban, And they agreed and they came into a covenant with God. Okay, then he spilled the blood on them. Right, equal part, half on the mizbech, 
Hef on Klal Yisrael, that's how you make a covenant. Okay, but after Moshe did this, now he had to fulfill what God had asked of him. That's the second part of Parakhaf Dalit. The first 14 Psukim discuss what Moshe did right after Maimad Arsinai through Zion Sivan. But then in the afternoon of Zion Sivan, I'm making that up, I don't know what time. Stay where you are. What's going on now? Says the Ramban. This is the first of the 40-day stays that Moshe is going to have on Har Sinai. Okay, that's why it says Ve'yesham. You're not going up, Moshe Rabbeinu wouldn't have known this. God says, you're not going up just for a day. You're not going up just for a, for a quick meeting. You're going up for an extended period of time. And because Moshe went up on the 7th of Harsin, and I'm trying to, to move it back to the narrative, because Moshe went up on the 7th of Sivan, 40 days later was Shivas or Betamus. 40 days later was the breaking of the, of the Luchos and the Chet HaEgel and, and the tragedy that's going to come later that we know, we know so well. But it only works if he went up on the 7th of Sivan. And so the Ramban here is explaining the end of the Parsha, which is going to work into 40 days, the sin. 40 more days, come down again. 40 more days, Yom Kippur, forgiveness, and the Mishkan, according to the Ramban. But that will leave for another time. For now, Shabbat Shalom. Have a great week, and I'll see you next week.